good, everybody. Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Not a whole lot. Coming to you from a spot that you have never seen me and may never see me again. Who knows? <laughs> I'll ever have to record from here again. I'm on the road at my sister's house. Been a long day as it is when you have a bunch of family around. But uh, I'm definitely ready to hide up here and get a break from all that. <laughs> well, I hope you're like the 49ers and you perform better on the road than you usually do at home. Because <laughs> let's be honest, I think we could all agree you need to pick it up a little bit. Oh, somebody's trying to copy my shtick. <laughs> if you're new to the show, this is where you get the hot takes, mostly from me and the cold truth, mostly from the human wet blanket, Levin Black. We remind you, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. If you are listening to us on Spotify, they now have ratings and reviews. So please drop us a five-star rating and a good review. We always say, if you take the time to write a review, we take the time to read it. Which leads me to this from Nick4983. Four-star rating, specifically because Michelle Majuk says she hates four-star ratings. Michelle said, either give us a one-star rating or give us a five-star rating. What's a four-star rating going to do? Nick says, I know Michelle hates anything between one and five stars, so she asked for it. In all seriousness, I'm jealous you guys have carved out a living doing what you love. And congrats on the streaming milestone, which is going over a million downloads this year. Uh, I can't honestly say I enjoy every show, but the Gold Standard and the Gold Digger podcasts are my favorites. Levin, without you, Rob may emotionally cancel coaches and players after every loss. But Rob, your passion and fan relatability is what makes the network fun. You are the Gus Johnson of Niners podcasts, which, by the way, that's the best compliment I think I have ever gotten. Uh, I don't always agree with the takes, but the logic is always sound. Hashtag gold blooded. So there you go, Nick. We thank you very much. I'm the Gus Johnson of Niners Podcast. What do you think about that, Levin? Uh, you haven't lost your job like Gus Johnson lost March Madness yet. <laughs> well, that's true. For no <laughs> fault of his own. I mean, I know that guy. That guy should be paid a million dollars a year just to do March Madness. Oh. Taylor made for it. Like I think this is two weeks in a row we have talked about Gus Johnson. Well, he's great. Okay, so there was a lot that happened today, Levin, because we had. Kyle Shanahan speak to the media and we had a quarterback speak to the media. And I say a quarterback because usually they only let the quarterback speak. That is going to start that week. I don't think that's what happened on Wednesday. And we're going to get into all of that. Let's start with Kyle Shanahan. I was really interested to hear what Kyle had to say because last time he spoke, he said that Jimmy had a thumb sprain. And then about two hours later, Every national NFL insider in the world had the exact specifics of the Garoppolo injury, the UCL tear, the fracture in the thumb, and Kyle Shanahan kind of had egg on his face. So I was anxious to hear what he said when he got in front of the microphone today. Here's what he said when he was asked to clear up the discrepancy between those two reports. To clear that up, the reason that was worded that way is because that's the way it was worded to me. He does have a great, there's three types of um, sprains and it, he has a grade three sprain since I got to give you guys, I guess, more information to clear up Ian and Adam's tweet. Um, it is a grade three sprain. The reason they never mentioned to me a fracture is because that really had, didn't have much to do with it. When you on the, the third degree sprain that he has on his UCL ligament, when that is ripped up, it pulled off a little fleck of his bone. And so whatever, when there's a bone that has anything off of it, you can call it a fracture, you can call it a chip, you can call it something, um, but that really isn't what's keeping him out. It's the the third degree sprain that he has, um, but because it's not moving and stuff, he doesn't need surgery, and he has a chance to play this week. Now, I don't know about you, Levin, but I mean, Kyle getting a little snippy with this injury stuff, that pissed me off immediately. It's the... I guess you could say petulant child in him doesn't like to have his hand held to the fire. You know, he, he likes to be able to do whatever he wants and be let off the hook when it doesn't go well. And, you know, I find it funny because earlier this year, I'm not going to name names, but a national media guy, <coughs> David Lombardi um, <laughs> said when regarding an injury to a quarterback, well, Kyle has never lied and been very straightforward about injuries. So we have no reason to doubt him now. Like he lies about every freaking injury. What are you talking about? <laughs> like he, he, he lies if he's asked about it and he will not tell you anything if you don't ask. 
there have been times when somebody got injured during the game and people didn't quite notice because it either happened right at the end of the game or that side of the team of the ball, you know, didn't didn't get back on the field, defense or offense, or or something where it went unnoticed and he just doesn't say anything, and suddenly they're on the injury report three days later. And everybody's like, what the heck? Oh, it happened in the game. Okay, prick, you know, you you, you could be forthright about injuries. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it just I find it hilarious that some people tried to spin it earlier this year with the first Jimmy injury that oh he's always been straightforward. No, he has not been. And he lied about this one and he got caught because it's too big and too important of an injury at too important of a time in the season to let it go. I don't think that he lied. Honestly, what I've said on Twitter and and it got everybody after me, I don't think the 49ers knew what the hell was going on with Jimmy. I think they thought it was a sprain. And I think Jimmy's people leaked the medical info to the national reporters after, after, the Niners had their presser. That's exactly what I think happened because it doesn't do the 49ers any good to leak the injury information to the national people, right? So there's no reason because for the be, Niners yeah. to do people that. People know Lance is likely starting now. They can prep for that. The only other source for that information is Garoppolo's people. And so, I mean, think about it. Jimmy said today, Jimmy said Wednesday that he hadn't even thrown or tried to throw since the Titans game. So... How could the 49ers know that he had a torn UCL? To me, I think Jimmy's people leaked it to the national media to make Jimmy look better coming off of his worst game of the season when people know he's not going to be back there next year. I think it looks bad for Jimmy if Kyle says, oh, it's just a thumb sprain. And you're like, wait, he looked that bad when he just had a thumb sprain as opposed to, oh, he's got a torn ligament in his throwing thumb and a broken bone. You know, I have a couple of reactions. One, I, I had thought, I wonder who the leak is because Kyle's got to be freaking pissed mm-hmm. because he got his, you know, like I said, he got held to the fire over it. And I had not thought about the Jimmy possibility for whatever reason. That seems like the obvious choice once you mention it. But I was sitting there thinking like, boy, somebody in the Niners training staff really is leaking stuff to the media. That takes balls considering all the injury history the Niners have. But yeah, it makes sense that it's from Jimmy's party. But the other reaction to that is if you read Jimmy's or listen to what Jimmy said, I'm not sure Kyle realized how bad it was because Jimmy tried to hide it. He mentioned well, that true. he knew they were cameras, so he didn't want to go talk to the training staff and that he tried to just play with it and that he just kind of, I think he said he did mention it to the training staff, but didn't want them to really look at it because he didn't want the cameras to see it. And for everybody to know. So he kind of tried to keep it to himself. So I think maybe Kyle did not realize how bad it was. And he found out later. Now, you could argue a head coach should freaking know what's going on with his quarterback. Well, I think Kyle sometimes intentionally tries to stay in the dark when it comes to injuries so that he doesn't have to lie. But this whole thing is weird, Levin. The whole thing is weird. Jimmy gets hurt. He tries to. If you want to say he didn't lie, it's still negligent. Jimmy gets hurt. He tries to hide it, right? Because don't forget, so he tells the training staff, but the training staff does nothing to his thumb, right? Not a right. brace. They, nobody looked at him on the sideline because the cameras would have caught that. No brace, no nothing. Why do you think Jimmy does that? Because his ass doesn't want to be benched. Because he knows he, he knows he won't come back in, yeah. He knows if he goes to Kyle and says, I can't grip this football, Kyle's not throwing him back out there. So he hides it, right? Then... There's a quote unquote bonus practice on Monday that Jimmy just doesn't show up to. He didn't show up. The quarterback, right? The captain, the the, great leader of that must be when he was getting his MRI and x rays and all that. Doesn't show up. That's sketchy as hell to me. Then Kyle comes out and says it's a sprain. Hours later, we get the national reports that he, you know, UCL, all this stuff. Like, Something here is not right. Stinks. Even Matt Mayoko has said that something's not right. I deliberately didn't say something stinks because you always make fun of me when I say that. Uh, so, so, like, this is weird. This whole thing is weird. And Kyle Shanahan acting on Wednesday like there's a chance that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to. He's not going to play. He's not. His thumb doesn't work. Okay. His hand does not function. It's his throwing hand. Stop trying to be coy and like galaxy brain this thing and just say. Trey is the guy. It, this is so stupid. Love it. 
let me put it in a John Madden type of way, you know, to honor him. 50% of throwing a football is 100% your thumb. <laughs> that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty Madden-esque. Not going to lie. Good job. By like, you. It, the thumb is by far the most important, not even close finger or digit or whatever you want to call it on your throwing hand. I would even argue on your body for a quarterback. You know, a quarterback can get by with, you know, a leg injury, arm injury to a certain extent. You know, Baker Mayfield's been playing with a messed up shoulder, things like that. But if you don't have your thumb, your thumb is what guides everything. Your your thumb is what determines accuracy by far the most. Your thumb is what controls the spin of the football, the spiral, all of that. It is way too important. And we have seen quarterbacks try, you know, Hall of Fame quarterbacks try to play with a thumb injury like Garoppolo's and they were pulled and they're hall of fame quarterbacks that didn't have a top draft pack draft draft pick right behind them. Like there's no way he can play. There's no way you can tell me Jimmy Garoppolo with even a minor thumb injury is better than Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo with a major thumb injury, no way in hell should he be in the game and he shouldn't have been in the game to finish last week. And that's what I tweeted out on Wednesday. The Niners can say whatever they want to say in a press conference if they're trying to convince people or trying to get the Texans to prepare for two quarterbacks, whatever crap they want to pull. What matters is what they do. So if they were to put broke-ass Jimmy Garoppolo out on that field with a thumb, with a hand that does not function properly, ahead of the guy that they traded three first-round picks plus to get, who was picked third overall in the draft, that is a massive indictment of Trey Lance. That means to me that you have screwed up the pick. If you're still not convinced at that point that that Trey is the better option, then to me that's a huge indictment of Lance because what are we talking about here? Like, So I don't think that's going to happen for the record, but if it did, I would look at that as they must think Trey Lance stinks. Which doesn't make sense based on what other people are saying, other players on the team are saying about Trey Lance in practice and, and Kyle Shannon. Kyle Shannon said he's had his best couple of weeks of practice all season in the last couple of weeks. But I think there's a lot of criticism that is deserved to somebody. And there's only two possibilities and it depends on how it went in the game on Thursday. Either Jimmy deserves a lot of criticism because he hit his injury. Kyle didn't know about it. And he, Jimmy put himself above the team. Because if you have a major thumb injury where you can't even grip the football and you have to change your throwing motion, which is what Jimmy said in the press conference today, that he had to change his throwing motion and it took him until towards the end of the game before he adjusted to the injury, that means you put yourself in staying in the game above what would have been best for the team. And that's a big problem for me if that's what he did. Now, if Kyle was aware of the injury, even if he didn't know the significance of the injury, after Jimmy threw that second interception, it shouldn't have mattered. Any injury at that point, okay, it's affecting you. We're done. You know, you're not the best option for us because of the injury. It sucks for you, but we got to do what's best for the team. One of those two scenarios happened, and whichever one it is, that person should be getting drilled in the media for it. They won't be, but they should be getting <laughs> drilled for it, and the media should get to the bottom of it. Point blank, ask them, Kyle, were you aware of this going into the second half? Because if he was fully aware that there's an injury, Jimmy Garoppolo was limited in some way, and he made that terrible throw to start the second half. That should have been the end of it. Oh, he knew. He said they knew right away when Trey was injured. Now, the extent of it, I don't know. But... He said he knew that something had happened, but he didn't talk to him. Well, and think about this, right? So the inter there's the interception is the first offensive play for the 49ers in the third quarter. Here are the rest of their possessions for that half. Turnover on downs. Remember where Jimmy misses an open Brandon Ayuk, mm -hmm. where he possibly could have gotten a first down. After that, six plays and out, a punt. Then after that, the touchdown to Brandon Ayuk. And then after that was that BS possession at the end of the game with all the laterals. We don't even have to count that one. So basically in the second half of that game, the 49ers went interception, turnover on downs, punt, touchdown. Looks like Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't figure out what he was doing and how he needed to throw until the very, very end of the game, but it shouldn't have had to come down to the end of the game. Either so, himself telling his coach and then Kyle pulling the trigger and benching him or Kyle knew should have pulled the trigger and benched him. Like to me, and I tweeted this out of the time, if Kyle knew and he kept Jimmy in the game, there could only be one reason. 
And that was Kyle knows once he pulls that trigger, there's no going back. And he was scared and lacked the, the, the best way I can put it is lacked the gumption to pull that trigger because he knew once Trey Lance comes in, the media is going to look like, okay, even if there is an injury to Jimmy, it looks like he got benched due to playing poorly, due to throwing that interception. And Kyle didn't want to have to make the call that would forever close the door because he wants to sit in this perfect scenario in his mind. You know, everybody else can see it's not perfect scenario where Jimmy's still there and Trey's still an option. No, like you should have pulled that, pulled that pin a long time ago and he didn't. But to me, if Kyle knew that the injury was there and didn't pull the trigger, that's why he knew that once the trigger's pulled, there's no going back. And he just was too scared to do that. But I don't know if I agree with that, Levin, because we've already seen that situation. Jimmy did get pulled at halftime of the Seattle game, and Trey came in, and Trey even started the week after that. And they still went back to Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, maybe part of that was because Lance got hurt, so they had an easy out. That could be it. Um, But we've seen Jimmy get pulled for injury and Trey have to come in. But regardless, I I don't want to get too bogged down on what happened Thursday because that's over with now. Yeah. I just think it was ridiculous to have Jimmy Garoppolo speak to the media today. I think that they are. It is surprising. They, they, they have in the past, there's been a a few times in the past where a quarterback does not speak and it, because you you don't know who it is or they have something else going on. I'm surprised that they didn't take this opportunity to make it like a George Kittle day. Just let Trey Lance talk to the media. Why are we treating this guy with kid gloves? He's a professional athlete. Why are we treating it like it's college football? Like, like, that's what it reminds me of. Uh, it reminds me of college football. Trey Lance is the freshman. Ooh, we better be careful with this guy. Can't let the freshman get in front of the microphone. He might crumble. Like, if you're that worried about it, then he sh- then he shouldn't be the guy that you've drafted. Yeah. Like, come on. It's it's ridiculous. Meanwhile, Trey Lance is doing advertisement after advertisement. Like, <laughs> right. They've <laughs> kept this guy in mothballs. They haven't let anybody speak to him. He's like a big secret now. I, I do want to say, I found it humorous i guess you should say the best way to put it the this news came out of an injury and the day before i had noticed boy trey lance is active on twitter all of a sudden because <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen anything from him in a long time and suddenly he had like four or five tweets including some that were like sponsorship things i'm like that putting two to two to, together to me it, it just kind of made me laugh it's like he knows he's about to start and so all of a sudden he's getting active again It could be, and we're going to get into all of that, our expectations for Trey, what we want to see, all that stuff. But if you're – and I, it sounds like you agree with me that there's no way Jimmy plays. I don't think Jimmy's going to be able to play the next two weeks. I don't care what Kyle Shanahan says. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is done for a minimum of two weeks, maybe more. And if that's the case, more than likely, it looks like he's played his final game for the 49ers, Levin. So if this is the end of the Garoppolo era, how will you remember it? I think the best one word sum up of it is bittersweet. It's it's an era that had some very high highs in 2019. Had so much excitement in that offseason following 2017. I mean, I think everybody truly thought we have this franchise guy. We got it at least 10 years with him. Like we have finally arrived after the, you know, nothing against these guys, but you know, the Tim Rattays of the world were leading the franchises, you know, our, our friend of the network, JT O'Sullivan starting games, you know, we had finally gotten out of that era. Finally found our first franchise quarterback since Jeff Garcia. And it, it's bittersweet that it, it didn't end up being, it's bittersweet that he had so many injuries. You know, you have to wonder, would we be in this situation if he didn't get injured? To me, the answer is a resounding no. If he was healthy in 2018, the Niners probably make the playoffs. If he was healthy in 2020, the Niners probably make the playoffs. There's no way in heck, even if Jimmy was still the same quarterback, that the Niners would have gone out and traded three first-round picks to get to the number three pick to get Trey Lance if they had been in the playoffs three straight seasons. What I will remember about this era is two things. Number one is... What could have been? Because I really do see a difference in Jimmy Garoppolo's play before he got hurt and afterwards. Mm. I think the 2018 season made him gun shy. Before he got hurt, he was much more like Tony Romo 
he would drop back to pass and he wouldn't scramble because he certainly wasn't fast before he got hurt either, but he would, he would run around and extend the play in the pocket. Go rewatch some of those games. Even the first couple of plays he came in against the Seahawks before he started, he's, he's extending the play there. He's drawing it out and, and he's able to make plays outside of the structure of the offense. And when he got hurt and he came back, he just flat out stopped doing that for the most part. So I really do think of that. Um, and then the other thing I'll remember is just how polarizing he was. And it's not like Colin Kaepernick was polarizing because of what he was doing off the field politically and all that stuff. Jimmy Garoppolo is polarizing just by what he does on the field. It's not anything controversial off the field at all. It's all about what happens on the white lines, even like a random week seven game where maybe the 49ers win, maybe they lose. And you've got two sides of the fan base ready to fight and duke it out with one another, all because of this guy. I don't remember another player like that. I will say he has one moment that I will probably remember forever. And in 20 years, it'll be one of those things that I say to a Niners fan to see how big of a fan they truly are. <laughs> if I say to somebody in 20 years, feels great, baby, and they don't get the reference and they're my age or even 10 years younger, I'm going to go, this guy's a new fan. <laughs> <laughs> I have to think I don't know about the play that I'll always remember with him I don't know that there's one that like jumps to my mind like a Jimmy Garoppolo moment I don't see it I don't know I just there, there is one moment on the field that jumps to my mind and that's the Dante Pettis touchdown mm. against the Minnesota Vikings that was pretty I damn was, good it was not only pretty damn good but I was there so it's like double whammy I saw it in person mm -hmm. so this is probably the end of the Jimmy Garoppolo era. I am excited to just, even if the 49ers lose on Sunday, just to lose a different way with a different person. I know that sounds weird, but I won't be as furious just because at least they're trying something new. And that's something that we've hammered out a long time on this show is you can't keep bashing your head against the wall. You're not going to get through that way. So if Trey does start Levin, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll get into our expectations for him, what we want to see, and maybe how Houston plans on attacking him in week 17. Back here on the Gold Standard podcast. All right, Levin, let's assume for the sake of this show that Trey Lance is going to start on Sunday against the Houston Texans. His first start at home in a, in a very important game for the 49ers as they could potentially clinch if they win and the Saints lose to the Panthers, the 49ers would be in. So they have to get this done. Let's get into our expectations for Trey a little bit. And I know, I just want to say that I don't expect him to be a ton different than the guy we saw in Arizona. Like I know Mayoko had that report about, oh, his fingers all the way healed now. And now his accuracy is so much better. Like, no, I'm not buying that. That, smells exactly to me like a story you would hear in training camp about, oh, oh he worked really hard in the offseason. Now his mechanics are different. I expect the same wonky mechanics. I expect the same. He's going to miss some gimme throws. Like he's just going to miss high on some slants and some stuff. That's who he is. Like accuracy is not his strongest attribute. So to me, you just have to expect that. I do want to see if he's still throwing fastballs to everybody because Part of the reason I think he's throwing fastballs all the time is not because he doesn't know how to take something off a pass. I've seen him take something off a pass. When he sees the play and knows what he has to do and gets what he's expecting, he throws a very catchable ball. To me, when he's throwing those fastballs 90 miles an hour when he doesn't need to is because he's late seeing things. So by the time he sees it, he says, oh, no, he knows he's late. So he tries to whip it in there to make up for it. And that's when you see some of those, some of those lasers that receivers have a hard time catching. So to me, I'm going to be seeing, is he throwing a lot of those or does he look more composed and like he's seeing more what he expects to see? I just need him to make some plays. Like, I don't think he has to be consistently hitting every single pass. Right. And I don't think the game plan should be the same for him with Trey Lance what you're looking for is plays that break the back of a defense, uh, a deep long ball touchdown or a, Oh, it's third and 10. Oh, he converts on a 30 yard scramble when we thought we had stopped him because everybody was covered. You know what I mean? Like there should be some big plays. I think it's unrealistic to 
come in and expect him to dominate. I, I think there's going to be some fans out there that are, how should I say, they don't research very well about the opponent. I think some people are going to look at Houston and think, what are they, 3-11? and 11? Uh, They're going to be sitting here thinking, oh, they're not very good. He should dominate them. This is a team that just kicked Justin Herbert's butt. You know what I mean? Like, they've won two in a row. They actually have a pretty good secondary. They certainly have issues. They're not a good team. But stopping quarterbacks, they actually do a pretty good job of that. Justin Herbert had two interceptions against them. And worse yet, if it wasn't for Justin Herbert dumping it to the running back, his game would have been so much worse. Their leading receiver was Justin Jackson, who was subbed in for Eckler, who was out. And he had 98 yards on eight catches. The The leading receiver for that team had three catches. Wide receiver, I mean. Keenan Allen was limited to 35 yards. I think Keenan Allen technically had four catches, but he had less yards than the other guy, who had 44 catches, or 44 yards on three catches. They, they held Keenan Allen to 35 yards. Like, this is a defense that's going to be capable of limiting wide receivers, and it's going to take something else, and we have not seen that from these running backs since Mostert went out. We haven't seen these running backs coming in and being really, really good pass catchers. You know what I mean? It's going to take, I think, check and Kittle and some of the non-wide receivers to step up and have big games. But they're, they're certainly capable. It's just, I think, a game that is going to be unorthodoxed in a way. If the only difference is that Trey Lance can hit the throw to Kyle Juszczyk where Jimmy Garoppolo can't, <laughs> that's going to be good enough. Honestly, yeah. like I think that that'll be good enough this Sunday. And I, I you know, I, it sounds like an oversimplification, but Kyle's going to dial up some stuff for him. There's going to be opportunities. Well, it just I, better not be dialing up stuff for him where it's run it up the gut, Trey. Run it up yes, the gut. Keep going. I up. agree. If he, if he calls any designed run up the middle and it's not a, you know, third and one, fourth and one, or on the goal line play, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> I don't want to see a ton of that either. I agree with you. Um, I just, all I keep thinking of is Jimmy missing that throw to juice. And I compare it to the broken coverage play of Debo Samuel against the Seahawks. Trey came in off the bench, totally not prepared. Kyle Shanahan basically admitted that it didn't have anything in the game plan for Trey Lance. And Trey came in and Debo got open on that broken coverage and Trey got him the ball. And not only did he complete it, but Debo was able to run all the way for the touchdown. That's if that's the only difference between Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo's performance, that'll be enough. It's funny. You compare it to that. Whereas I compare it to somebody not being able to hit the broadside of a barn. I mean, come on, Jimmy. <laughs> it could, not, he, could not have been a more open. He's missed. And that was before he got injured too. So don't, don't try and use the thumb as an excuse. And he's missed that throw to juice before. And we, against the Rams, he missed it. I, I wish we could have juice back on the show because there's been a lot of close calls for him. That's true. Getting the big reception. Well, we did ask him. Remember, we said, where right. did that play go where you got open on that mm -hmm. league play? And he said he's been lobbying for it. Well, we saw it in a big spot. He would not have given us an honest answer because he's smart enough to know not to. <laughs> but boy, I would love to know him or any receiver that's missed on a play like that. Mm -hmm. Hey, but I mean, it's different for him because he's a fullback. He doesn't get many opportunities like that. But hey, when you're completely wide open, you know you're going to get a 50-yard touchdown. All the quarterback has to do is put it on you to where you can catch it. Even if you have to stop completely in your tracks to catch it, you still get the score and he misses you. What goes through your mind? Like, I, I would love to get an honest answer to that because it's probably a whole bunch of things that you would have to be bleeping out. Oh yeah. It's definitely honest. a swear. <laughs> like, it, I don't know which one for sure I can guess, but like, it's definitely a swear. Um, the other thing is what does Trey do when he doesn't know what to do? And the example I'll use is, Kyle and Akash did an awesome job on yesterday's Shanna plan talking about Lovey Smith, the defensive coordinator for the Texans and how Lovey largely most of the time plays cover two. It's one thing for, for that to be the case. Kyle can, can prepare Lance to study cover two. Okay. Here's where you go in these situations against this defense, but what happens if it's not cover two? And that my thing is Lovey knows that the 49ers know that he likes to play a lot of cover too. What if he decides, hey, they're starting this 21-year-old kid. I'm going to throw some crazy shit at him. Let's see him handle this. Like, Lovey Smith 
has been in the NFL for decades. Like he knows how to dial up some stuff. So what does Trey Lance do when it's not covered to when it's not what he's expecting? That to me, I think is going to be a key factor in the game. And if he, if he runs, can the 49ers offensive line not get holding penalties that eliminate all the good things Trey does on the ground because they couldn't stop getting them in Arizona. There will be one thing that will really try my patience. And that's if this offensive line suddenly doesn't show up because they've been playing really well for a good six, seven games now, better part of half, half the season now. That's Whereas true. when Trey played earlier, you know, that was in the middle of their rut where they, they were missing assignments. Guys were going unblocked. They just weren't doing very well. The run game wasn't working at all. And they've been lights out. If they suddenly flip it back now, I'm going to be pissed. Like, come on. Like, do you just relax because you have a mobile quarterback back there all of a sudden? You know what I mean? They need to stay locked in because I think if Trey can get time, time is the best friend of a rookie quarterback. True. I, I think he, he will go off if that offensive line holds up. And I don't know if you feel the same way. Let me know if you don't. But I think that even though Trey is mobile, he doesn't look to run first, in my opinion. Right. He moves around, but to me, he still keeps his head up looking to make a play. And the example that I'll point to is in that Arizona game on the first drive, he's running around and the first interception he throws, he has a good 15 yards in front of him that he could run and scramble for easily. There's pretty much nobody there in the middle of the field, but he doesn't take them. He tried to throw it downfield to Travis Benjamin. He made a bad throw and it was intercepted. But the, the point there is his process is look to throw the ball first. So if he does have time to throw, I think he will use it. I don't think he's going to take off and run very often unless he feels he has to. Right. And this is not a direct comparison because I don't want to, get the feedback for that but the way he is when he gets some breathing room has to move you know to create more time reminds me of Aaron Rodgers in that way because Aaron Rodgers he was a mobile quarterback when he came out like he was able to run he he had four or five hundred rushing yards in his early seasons but he still he would always just sit and wait and wait and wait and try to get that big big throw when the defense is scrambling and then if it wasn't there, okay, I'll take the five yards now. Like I could have had 10, I'll take the five now because it wasn't there. You know what I mean? Like he would just sit and he would always stay with his legs locked in so that he could throw the moment he sees it's open. And Trey Lance kind of reminds me of that, where he is so reluctant to run, where there are times that he could have had more yards, but he doesn't take them because he's always wanting to make that throw. So I hope that he can do that and I hope the receivers are better at what they call, you know, the scramble drill, because that was part of the problem in that first game. When Trey Lance did buy time, there wasn't very good rapport with the receivers. Like they weren't going to the same places that Trey Lance wanted them to go. You know what I mean? They talked about that some at the time that that takes time to get down, you know, to get yeah. that kind of sixth sense, you know, like Aaron Rodgers right now, when he's scrambling, he doesn't have to tell Devonte Adams where to go. Adams knows where he's comfortable throwing and where he can get to. And they just do it. You know what I mean? And Trey Lance needs to develop that with either Ayuk or Devo. Somebody has to develop that. Somebody has to be that safety, uh, you know, escape kind of route that just knows where to go. The Trey Lance is comfortable going when he's scrambling. And I think that maybe Kittle could be that too. Don't forget, there was no George Kittle the first time around with Trey Lance too. That's a major, major factor in both the, the pass game and the run game. Um, so I have to say the player that I think of when I watched Trey Lance and I, I went back and I rewatched his start and I rewatched JT O'Sullivan, since you brought him up, has a great breakdown of Lance's first start. And he's the one that pointed it out to me. Um, the player that I think of when I watch Trey play is Jeff Garcia to me from the waist down. It's like the, actually from the neck down, I should say, cause he wears number five, just like Jeff did. He's the same guy. The way that they both bounce in the pocket, sometimes unnecessarily, to be honest with you, like they're always bouncing. And there's a lot of like, it's almost like when Trey's moving in the pocket, he'll take a step forward and he'll click his heels together almost. It like that's how kind of springy he is. I, I swear when I watch him, I see Jeff Garcia, how he used to look back in the day. Is that does that ring true for you at all? Or am I kind of out on my own branch there? I'd have to honestly go back and look at some Jeff Garcia films. I have not 
fire up him. the YouTubes, baby. Yeah, I have not seen him in his heyday other than, you know, obviously highlights and a good little while. I mean, it's been, what, 18 years, 17 years since he was on the Niners? And, you know, I used to watch some in those first years that he was gone, but then it was kind of too painful because <laughs> it reminded yeah. you of the better times. <laughs> but, yeah, I'd have to rewatch that. I mean, I, I can see where you're getting at because Jeff Garcia was definitely – he was one of those sneaky guys where you don't expect him, but all of a sudden he would just be, oh, he's not just running. He's already five yards down the field. You know what I mean? Like part of that was he was small and he kind of hid behind the lineman. And all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, he's not in that big yeah. pile of linemen. He's he's running. But he, he was a mobile quarterback. Um, so I could see how that's a possibility, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, I definitely see it when it's been a while since I watched Jeff Garcia. I say this not as like a flex. It's not meant to be at all. It's more like this is just my life. I will randomly go back and fire up. Like I'll fire up that game against the Giants where Jeff Garcia led that big comeback and T.O., you know, kind of went a little nuts. Like uh, every once in a while, I'll just go back into the Wayback Machine and fire up some classics. And uh, so, yeah, the Jeff Garcia is like way more fresh in my mind than to be honest, he probably should be. I wish I was that type. And I don't actively sit here and go, ah, I'm not going to live in the past. But if I'm honest with myself, I guess I'm kind of more of living the moment. Like I'm always concentrating on where the Niners at right now. You know, I'll rewatch games from this season. If there's really something I want to go back and rewatch, I might watch something from a previous previous season in terms of like, I need to see this again to know what happened. But in terms of like old games where I know the result, it's why I, it's why I don't, uh, tape football games or big sports games and watch it later. I used to get so mad at people who would tell me that. Oh, just record it and watch it later. Screw you. You think I'm not going to be looking at the score while it's happening? <laughs> and once I know the score, I don't want to watch the damn game. You know what I mean? I, I used to work with a guy at ESPN Radio, Bob Bacozzi. Huge New York sports fan. Massive, massive fan. He would He would do the sports updates and then he'd be like, don't tell me the score of the Yankee game. Don't tell me the score of this. I taped it. I'm going to go back and watch it like maniacally. You, you could like mess with him if you walked in the door and you were like, did you see when, you know, Derek Jeter and he'd be like, shut up, shut up. I don't want to know about it. Like I've never seen anybody like that. Like he would tape everything. I could never be that guy. I never was that guy. I could never work with a guy like that. Like <laughs> oh, that's Bob. like oil and water to me. Cause I don't like when people, people have something in their life that they inflict on others. That's just a general rule, not even sports. But if you don't know what is want to know the score of a specific game, because you wanted to record it and watch it at home, don't work in sports. <laughs> well, I'm not going to not talk about a game just because you're around. Boy, I could, you must be just a bowl of cherries to work with. I swear to God. Um, let's I am get very laid back at work, but like, I'm not at the same time. Like, you push, there's going to be resistance. Like I'm, I'm not just a go goes with the flow guy, but I'm also not somebody that purposely creates ripples. Let's focus more on this game because this doesn't make sense to me. No, I'm you just... don't want to talk about me more. Oh, no. That's what the podcast was about. Definitely not. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we don't know for sure that Trey Lance is going to play, but it seems pretty obvious. And I look at the DraftKings Sportsbook spreads and I see Niners are favored by 30 over the Houston Texans. That's crazy to me. Even if Jimmy Garoppolo is playing, that's crazy to me, Levin. I don't think the Niners are going to win by that many points. I wouldn't be stunned. Now that I know that, now that I think I know that Trey Lance is starting, just win. I, I don't right. care if it's by 50 or 100 points. You got a rookie quarterback making a second career start in a must-win game against a team that's coming off a big win. Like, Just find a way to get it done. Forget the 13 points. I think I might even take Houston. Like I said, look, Houston's not the pushover people want to think they are. They just beat the Chargers, and they beat the Jaguars the week before that, which Jaguars aren't good, but, I mean, they beat them 30-16. to 16. They handled them, and they completely shut down Trevor Lawrence in that game, by the way. So, you know, you shouldn't necessarily expect a lot from another rookie quarterback playing against them. But, yeah, it, it's no pushover. It, I wouldn't bet any game that's double-digit favored. To me, once you get to that realm, it's like I'm not touching that game. 
You never touch those one way or the other? No. Wow. To me, those are the, the worst ones. Because even if I think a really good team is playing a really bad team, winning by double digits is easier said than done in the NFL. Hard. Yeah, man. That's why I was really surprised to see it. Um, so I'll take the Niners to win in this game. Uh, score prediction, I don't know, maybe 23 to 17, something like that, 23-20. I, I don't think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. Uh, I agree with you. Like I, I think it's unfair to Trey Lance to expect him to just go out and light it up. I'm really torn on where to put this game in terms of points because I could definitely see a game where are the Niners rolling? No. But does Trey Lance extend drives that Jimmy would not have with his legs? And so the Niners are putting up points almost every single drive. Yeah, that's pretty easy to see that if Trey Lance can throw the ball pretty damn close or as good as Jimmy does, but then also extend those completely broken plays and turn them into first downs. Well, then that's a 30 plus point game. You know what I mean? Like that's why sometimes scrambling quarterbacks come in and suddenly the offense moves, even though the quarterback might not be playing technically all that great and defenses will eventually adjust to them. But just the extending something that would have been a punt with a regular quarterback is huge. I mean, it's truly almost like a turnover because instead of punting the ball to the other team, you get to keep the ball. So it's in in essence, almost like a turnover. And if you get two or three plays like that in a game, it's a huge difference. So I could see the Niners definitely putting up 30. And, you know, I could also see... Houston planning for that. Like, I, I really don't know what Houston's going to do defensively because, you know, general rule of thumb is get after the rookie quarterback. Don't give them time mm-hmm. because they will panic. But at the same time, it's such a mobile quarterback. Do you just drop everybody back and say, go ahead, rookie, try to pick your spots when we have so many guys in coverage? You know what I mean? Like, it's also easier to stop a mobile quarterback when you drop more guys back because there's always somebody that can break off to come up and try to stop them. So, I really just do not know what to expect. But since you're going to make me pick a score and tell me to stop being a wet blanket with my three-minute explanation, <laughs> <laughs> I, I will go 31 to 20. Oh, all right. You're taking a little more higher scoring than I am. One thing that we should mention about this game that's encouraging from a 49er standpoint, Kyle said he's hoping that Elijah Mitchell can come back for this one. But even if Mitchell can't go, Kyle said that Trey Sermon is full go. So I'm excited to see. I hope that they give Sermon the ball over Jeff Wilson. Like, you run that thing 30 to 40 times, man. I'm fine with that, too. And I'm still excited to see Trey Sermon. Like, I think he's looked good at times. Give him the damn ball. I will get excited to see Trey Sermon when he actually gets the damn ball. (laughs) I'm not going to sit here and get excited in a pregame knowing that there's a pretty damn good chance Kyle has him in the doghouse and is not going to play him. He kind of has. I, to, I will though. say, I will say this: the most interesting part I want to see is if Mitchell can't go. Well, even if Mitchell goes, is Trey Sermon ahead of Hasty in the damn depth chart? If he's <laughs> not, that is really bad. Because Hasty is. I mean, we talked about on the Instagram. Hasty's been bad. Like Hasty probably shouldn't have been on. They probably should have tried to find a replacement for him because he's just he hasn't brought anything to the table. Not a good blocker. He's not running the ball well at all. He's not decisive at all as a runner, and he's not catching the ball, really. And he's not big, so... Right, like, he he really hasn't brought anything. So if Mitchell plays, and and it's Sermon who doesn't dress, and Hasty dresses in the third, that's really bad. Or if Mitchell can't go, and Hasty's coming in to spell Wilson, that's really damning. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. Uh, We'll find out a, a lot about how we feel, or how Kyle feels about Trey Sermon. The other thing with Hasty, they've kind of been using him in, as a third down back sometimes, but like he's not a good blocker and he right. misses What's a lot of blocking. What's he bring? Like he brings nothing as a third down back. Nothing. Right. Like he and nothing you want a third down back to do, Jermichael Hasty is good at. So I hope we see a healthy dose of, of the run game, whether it's Sermon or whether it's uh, Jeff Wilson or hopefully Elijah Mitchell, ideally. Uh, but whatever it is, like lean on that. Let Trey run it a couple of times and take care of business. Like, handle your business. In the perfect scenario, Levin, when we do the instant react show, we're talking about the Niners have clinched a playoff spot because it's the Saints and the Panthers is the other game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like Taysom Hill, I think, is going to be back for the Saints. They, Are no you more Ian Book. 
What's that? Are you excited for that? Yeah, thrilled. Uh, <laughs> Sam Darnold's going to start for the Panthers. Yay. Um, I, the Saints will probably win this week, which may, which will make week 18 a big game. Um, regardless, let me say this to you. Let's say Trey struggles. And let's say the 49ers, let's say they lose, but they're still alive for a playoff spot in week 18. Do you stick with Trey? Or do you go back to Jimmy if Jimmy says, I'm going to gut this thing out? Oh, yeah, you stick with Trey because what what, what do you got there? I agree. You're eight and uh, eight. What the f are you going back to Jimmy for? There's nothing. <laughs> like, because you want to get you're either that eight, playoffs, nine, huh? and out of the playoffs, and you needed you need to move on to the future. So it's best to have played Trey Lance, anyways, or you let the rookie bounce back and you're nine and eight and you make the playoffs. Like, there would be no reason to go back to Jimmy, which is why if Jimmy doesn't play this week, which he almost definitely won't, it's over for Jimmy. I think that Kyle is desperate to make the playoffs this year because then he can say, yeah, I struggled early on in my tenure, but I got a Super Bowl appearance and I made the playoffs in 2021 when my team wasn't massively injured, even though they kind of are massively injured. But I think he's desperate to make the playoffs because it makes his resume look better. Yeah, I think that's been pretty clear all season that Kyle has prioritized this season and will not even think or make a single decision based on future so there you have it let's go Niners this week against Houston handle your business last home game of the season you would think because even if they make the playoffs I can't imagine a scenario where they would wind up playing back at Levi's so this could be it let's let's get there's only one I can think of and it's not a good one right let's get Lance some some support at home front of the home crowd and hopefully we're talking about a Niners victory remember you can join us immediately after the game on Sunday for the Instant Reaction Podcast on the Niners Nation Facebook page, YouTube page, Twitter page. We take your questions and comments. Akash filled in for you last week, Levin. It was the most popular, most watched Instant React show we have ever had. And I don't know if that's a coincidence. That's fine. <laughs> I yeah. failed, by the way. I couldn't get an emotional reaction out of him. So I had to go like nuclear and just totally lose my mind. And it still didn't work. You, you can say what you want. If you want to keep going with uh, Kosh, go for it. You didn't even watch it last week, did you? Uh, I did watch a little bit of it. I didn't watch all of it. I was at work. I had important things to do. Oh, yeah, right. I watched By the way, probably the first, I would say, 20 to 30 minutes. Oh, okay. So you saw a pretty good chunk. You saw my main rant. Uh, yes, I, I, saw, I saw prior. Well, you should know. I was commenting, telling you. We, I sent you a text. We can hear Akash, you dummy. Oh, that's true. That actually did help me. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, I kind of figured I commented in the chat twice, and I was like, I bet he's not looking at the chat right now. There's too many comments. So that I sent come you a in. text. I, There's thousands I know. Of people I, I sent like 10 comments, and you didn't post any of them. <laughs> Darn. Uh, I want to know. I'm sure people out there want to know. Levin usually gets an amazing spread at Christmas at his job with prime rib and steak and all sorts of good things. But this year, the person that primarily does it was out. So I want to know, Levin, what kind of food did you get last week at your job? It was uh, good. I'm going to sound like a spoiled brat here, but it was good, but it was not as good as I had hoped. It was not up to the standard. It was a New York strip, which is not a, a cut. I really care. I think it's massively overrated. Um, but it was a New York strip. But he got four steaks, and there were five of us working because we were, you know, having what? coverage. So he got a bunch of chicken and stuff for the other day. So I cut one of the steaks in half because they were huge, like 20-ounce steaks. Oh. So I cut one in half and said, me and the other guy who are only working one of the nights rather than the other guys who are all working both uh, get to have half. Because I worked Christmas Eve to Christmas Day. So uh, I had basically a 10-ounce New York strip, and then – the sides, he got mac and cheese, but he didn't get like baked potatoes or any, literally no potatoes. I was like, no potatoes. Who in America doesn't have potatoes with steak? Right. Like what the? F so yeah, I mean, it was still good. I can't complain. It was free. It was a steak dinner. It was really good mac and cheese, but it, it was a little disappointing when I got there because he had like, I mean, he spent it on other things, but it didn't value for me. Like he, he bought really good bacon. And a bunch of eggs for the morning. It's like, I'm not cooking bacon and eggs in the morning when I'm going home because I've been working all night. Right. Okay. Well, that is disappointing. Yeah, he did a, He did a good job. And he bought like a bunch of chicken so that they would have stuff through the weekend and stuff. 
like chicken breasts and stuff, but it was like, I, I just cared about the steak dinner. <laughs> right. Like last year you were like double fisting steaks. And I was, I was amazed <laughs> at this story where you came back and told us. So, all right, you know what? There's a little work to be done there, but I'm glad that uh, at least you had something. Hopefully you had a good holiday. And uh, I don't know. Are you a big New Year's Eve guy, Levin? This is our last show of 2021. Uh, No, not really. Stunner. The human wet blanket doesn't celebrate New Year. I am a big New Year's Day fan because of college football, but that's been ruined. You know my pet peeve. There is one day a year when you can say Happy New Year. Maybe two. New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. And that is it. January 2nd, I bump into you on the street. I don't want to hear this Happy New Year shit. Okay, you missed your chance. You missed your window. You get two days at most. We don't say happy birthday on the day after your birthday. That's it. I can't stand when people say happy new year after New Year's Day. Just curious. Do you say Merry Christmas on just the 25th? Maybe 24th too? Yep. Or, yes. or do you say it all month long? No, absolutely not. Do okay. not say it all month long. At least you're consistent. I was going to say, that, that's fine by me. Uh, I, I get sick of hearing that crap. Like, dude, it, it's November 30th. Don't be telling me Merry Christmas. Leave me alone. <laughs> Well, yeah, but we I'm pretty big Scrooge towards that. Yeah, <laughs> pretty big Scrooge when it comes to that. But uh, no, like New Year's, yeah, New Year's was great in college. Um, I remember my freshman year of college, I came back home, and I uh, didn't make it to midnight. That is the least surprising thing. You're just you're, <laughs> no, ugh. no, I didn't make it midnight for reasons that happen when you're 18 years old. Okay, all right. That's different. I uh, came home from college, you know, and got together with all my high school buddies. One of my high school buddies showed up with a bunch of uh, Christmas gifted alcohol from his older sister that he didn't care for. So I polished off a full bottle of cherry vodka and half a <laughs> bottle of Jägermeister. Oh and I remember getting woken up by some buddies in the middle of the morning saying, hey, we're going to take you home. And then I got home and puked all over my dad's bushes. You know what they call that? Time travel. You know what they call that? Being 18 and stupid. <laughs> Fond memory, too. Right. And now you're in your yeah, mid-30s. I, I, lit I literally passed out on the couch before midnight even happened. Ugh. All right. But well, that's what, I, that's what happens when you drink like almost a bottle and a half worth of liquor. I hope now you have a much better New Year this year. I hope you have a fun celebration. I don't know what your plans are. I don't have any plans because COVID is I'm driving back with home. a vengeance on new year's eve picking up my dogs at seven and it's going to be probably sitting on my couch relaxing because i drove all day be careful uh driving on new year's eve for me is one of the scariest things i almost i go out of my way to avoid it almost at all costs it's amateur it'll, it'll hour there. yeah it's i mean it'll be interstate travel it's not like i'm driving in town a whole lot right whatever nonetheless there are numbers you can call people to get rides like please please yeah. please stay safe out there we don't need any more tragedy to either end 2021 or start 2022 go Niners join us after the game on the instant reacts and hopefully we are talking about victory number one for Trey Lance